I'm Fatu. And I'm Maz. And this is Dinner Dinner Party Party History. History. And today we are going to talk about trench warfare, life in the trenches during World War I. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about our week a little bit and also talk about ourselves because I feel like people don't really know who we are. So I guess, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of trenches, I feel like I've been in the trenches this week. I have had a filing and I've worked the whole weekend. What is a filing? It's just a court document. It's a it's a bitch of a it's, it should be really easy and it's not. I'll end it there. Okay, so and in my TikTok so I made a TikTok video saying that, you know, people say they're in the trenches, but people don't really understand how bad trench warfare was. And like in the comments, people are like, Oh, trench warfare is bad, but have they ever been in a situation ship? And you're like, okay, trench warfare is have you ever done a filing? <laughs> so and <laughs> yeah. no, I haven't, but from what you describe, it sounds pretty bad. From what bad. you've seen today. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But how was your week besides that? How was your weekend? What'd you do? It's pretty good. I mean, I worked all weekend. The good thing, the only highlight is obviously being here with you. And then I'm getting my little cat soon. Period. Also, we live in LA. If you did not know. And I mean, I just came back from a trip to New York and it was so cold there. The wind was knocking me out. The rain was chopping me. It started snowing the day I left, but had a good time. Got to visit some friends. And I feel like the New York subway system can feel like the trenches because I ooh, I saw some rough things in there and I wish it was just the rats. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we just heard the sirens. I don't even know if you can hear it, but yeah. So, okay. That's that. And so we're going to be talking about World War I and trench warfare. And I just want to like give a a preemptive before we start. This is not going to be like a Ken Burns NPR style documentary where we talk about the entire war from start to finish in a very linear timeline. Again, as we said in the first episode, we're just girls chatting. And today we're going to be girls chatting about World War I and life in the trenches. So with that, I will pass it to Moss. With now you're going to ask me the worst fucking question, which is how did it start? How? Okay. Very controversial. And again, World War I is very confusing. It's not like World War II where you have the very clear good guys and bad guys and the story is just like, okay, the Nazis, Japan, USA. Right. Like it's not like that. It's way more convoluted and people think less interesting. And so let's, yeah, let's start. So Again, the difficult question, how did World War I start? Okay, well, I think usually people always point to the assassination, which we're obviously going to talk about today. And that really was the trigger. But I think it's important to note that there was probably already going to be a war, even if the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, rest in peace, if he didn't get knocked out, there still probably would have been war because a lot of power players wanted a war. The scene was very much roid rage. You had a lot of individual wars leading up to it. So power is shifting. The maps are being redrawn. You have the Industrial Revolution in the background that had caused a lot of class divides. So people are really angry. And of course, what better way to unify a country full of, you know, class divides and saying, hey, even though you're poor and I'm wealthy, we're still the same because we're from the same country. So let's band together. You've got a dick measuring contest Mm. because there's a lot of arms race. Germany's building their boats, their navy. And wasn't this like right after or even maybe even during like the scramble for Africa? There was was a lot of countries fighting. The girls were fighting. People want power. 
People want power. And unfortunately, the Archduke had to, he had to be the first big chip to fall. Um, so leading up to that, here, paint the scene, okay? Okay. Austria-Hungary. They have just acquired Bosnia, and this has really pissed off the Serbs because 40% of Bosnia at this point is Serbian. And again, Russia at this point, they consider themselves to be, you know, the godfather of the Slavs. And so if Serbia wants to acquire Bosnia, it's kind of Russia's natural inclination to help them do that. Um... And Austria hates Serbia at this point. They're calling them pigs, thieves, because of things that happened in the Balkan War. Ooh. What? I said, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> pigs. <laughs> um, anyway, so Russia, like I said, they're, they're in cahoots with Serbia. And Serbia has this little secret society called the Black Hand, which I hope we do an episode on secret societies in the future. But the Black Hand is run by this colonel of Serbia's military. And the Black Hand, their goal is quite literally to liberate all Serbs, which in this case is going to involve Austria-Hungary. And so the Black Hand, they start disseminating a lot of propaganda all throughout Europe. And obviously that lands in the hands of young teenagers, teenage students. And they call themselves the Young Bosnians. And it's three students, really, that are going to play the big role here. One guy's name is Kovrilo, the other Trifko, and then I, and I'm fucking up their names, by the way. Well, they're dead, so they're not going to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Kabrinovic? Do you think it's Kabrinovic or Kabrinovic? I think it depends on the spelling because sometimes it's Vic and sometimes it's Vich, so. Okay. Well, regardless, they're really, they're ready to to, to shake some things up. They want to have some influence. And so they go over to Serbia, they go to the Black Hand, and they acquire a bunch of weapons. Some cyanide, obviously, in case things go wrong, but they do acquire six bombs and some pistols. They make their way back to Austria-Hungary, and their goal is when the Archduke Franz Ferdinand comes on his trip to Austria-Hungary, because at this point he's the inspector, of the military, so he makes routine trips just to make sure everything's in tip-top shape. But he's the heir to the throne, okay? And he's coming in with his wife, and their whole plan is we're going to kill him. And once we kill him, Austria-Hungary's going to crumble, and the Serbs will be liberated. And here this man is, Archduke, on this carriage with his wife in a parade, having a good time. But mind you, there were a lot of warning signs leading up to it. He, and I think some of it, is fake. I don't believe that he literally did say, you know, oh, there's bad omens lying amongst us because that's what they have quoted him saying as he was leading up there. But his car broke down, I guess, the day they were supposed to make the trip. And he is, he's apparently said, you know, by mistake, we shouldn't be going soon. They'll be throwing bombs at us. Is this not the burnt toast theory? I that's was what talking I knew you were about. Bring I, this you up knew to. I was going to say this. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, he goes anyway. <laughs> Apparently, the president of Bosnia had caught wind that there would be an assassination attempt. And he kind of tried to tiptoe around it and let the Archduke know, but he didn't do so successfully. And they're on their little motorcade. He's with his wife. 
And one of the guys, I think it's Kabrinovic, he throws a Molotov cocktail or whatever bomb at the car, <sighs> except the bomb doesn't actually, it rolls off of the car and then slides into another car and it kills everybody in that vehicle. But the Archduke is unharmed. And he's so, like, whew, dodge right. that one. <laughs> so you would think he's going to, he's out of town. Because if you make one assassination attempt on me, I'm not going to be seen again. Well, yes. But that's not the case. He decides he's going to see this trip out, which is asinine to me. Are you, Like, would you? I don't know. It seems maybe he wanted to die because I'm just like, if there are several warning signs that there may be a potential mark on my life, people want to take me out, I'm not leaving my palace. I'm going to mind my business, stay in my palatial estate. I'm not <laughs> right. going out to the fucking parades and shit. Yeah. Because well, I'm like, there, there's too many signs. I will give him the benefit of the doubt that he did go to see wounded soldiers, right? They so that sent his ass a telegram. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Well, maybe there was more at stake. That's what I'm telling myself, is it wasn't like he yeah, wanted to die. Yeah, I don't want to victim blame him. I don't want to victim blame somebody who was It's stabbed. not that he wanted to die, but it was, you know, I can't run away from the battle. I have to show that I'm strong. Yeah, yeah in um, that context, I get it. So he's back in the motorcade. It's the next day. But this time, these motherfuckers are going fast. Okay, they're not trying to loiter on these streets. But Gavrilo and the other guy, because at this point, what's his face? Kaprinovich or whatever, he has been taken. He went down. He tried to kill himself after he threw the bomb before he could get captured by the military. But it didn't work. I guess he tried to jump into this riverbed, but it wasn't as deep as he thought it would be, which doesn't really make sense to me. But he's taken away and he's shouting, I am a Serbian hero and all of this shit. And he gets, you know, whacked. But his two friends, not really great friends because they just kind of dip. They're, they get scared. But as luck would have it, okay, Gavrilo is just on some random street, probably feeling sorry for himself because his friend has likely been whacked off. He always wanted to be in the Serbian army in the first place. He was rejected. And now he's just, he's a failure even on this front of being a terrorist, okay? But somehow the motorcade carrying the Archduke makes a wrong turn. This is the perfect storm. Yes, it makes a wrong turn and it goes down a street where Gavrilo is standing. I don't even know how that's possible. It's almost so fortuitous that it seems like fake news. But he sees them point blank. They're trying to back up, not because they think, oh, we're in danger, but just to get back on the road. Mm -hmm. And Gavrilo shoots them point blank. He shoots the Archduke in the neck, and he shoots the wife in the stomach. And apparently the Archduke, as he's bleeding out, is telling his wife, who he loved dearly. He almost lost the throne, mind you, for this woman. Mm. But I'm not going to go down Romantic Island again. Um, he's begging her to live, at least to live for the children. Nobody lives. They both die. Um, and that really sets off alarm bells because the heir of the throne has now been murdered. And I think... A lot of Germans were already looking for a cause to go to war. And I'm not going to say it was just the Germans. It was a lot of people. And Austria-Hungary is allied with Germany. And so now they have the manpower 
once Germany gives them the sign-off. And that's that's how it all starts, really. Damn. So this terrible twist of fate through many layers of this man, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, dying is the reason why people were standing up to their knees in human waste, in dirty water. But again, they already wanted to go to war. And this was just... Purely for land. And it probably wouldn't have even been that bad because I think the UK didn't even really want to get that involved. Oh, well, I guess we kind of have to talk about Belgium, don't we? I feel like most of the countries didn't really want to get involved. It's just like, well, damn. Right. I think the UK didn't initially want to get involved until Belgium was invaded because Germany's whole strategy was that I want to make sh- I want to take Russia and France down, but in order to take Russia down, I need to take France down first. And so when they invaded France, it was unsuccessful because they had such a strong wall. They had like a wonderful fortress. And so they needed to kind of get in through Belgium, but Belgium was neutral. And so they invaded Belgium to get to France, and that pissed off England. But then I'm like, was it really moral reasons. I don't know. I have doubts about that. But they were marketing it as this was a fight about what's right against might. And that's how we got to trench warfare. Yeah. Well, thank you for that explanation. I feel like, again, World War One is so confusing because there's so many things at play. And also one thing that I think people forget about is that Archduke Franz Ferdinand was a royal, and at this point, the royal family is so interconnected, and there's so much marriage and and incest that it's like, that's damn near half of Europe's cousin. Yeah. Somebody's got to be related to him, so people are pissed. People are losing their shit. But we have the start of World War One. Now, let's go what people really learn about in school. We, we learn about Archduke getting shot, and we learn about trench warfare. So I'm here to describe life in the trenches and life after the trenches. So during World War I, this was different from other wars. A big difference for that is the fact that because of the Industrial Revolution, weapons were different. This wasn't the Revolutionary War. People weren't just getting shot with muskets. We had weapons of mass destruction at play here. This was some different shit. And again, people aren't just on the battlefield getting shot and all that stuff that was happening in previous wars. There were these battlefields and the trenches, and life in the trenches was not great because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> understatement of the century. And it's like how long you were on the trenches, it, it changed. Like sometimes it's a day, a couple days, sometimes weeks, if not months in the trenches. And while you're in the trenches, you're literally like, in a ditch below ground and you can't necessarily see what's going on. Like that's the whole point. Like you're hiding in the trench from the enemies. And it's like, if you you poke your head up one second, boom, I get blasted in the face. There's so much going on in there. And again, because you're in a trench and you have to stay there for as long as they say you're supposed to be there, you can't just go to the bathroom. People are going to the bathroom right there in the trench or going in buckets and then just kind of throwing the buckets over the trench. And obviously, because of that, hygiene was not in a great spot. And at one point, like, a a big joy for soldiers was when they could, like, go into the water, like the ocean or the river or something, and, like, 
take a bath there because if you're in a trench, you're not going to get out of the trench during active combat to go take a shower real quick. You're going to sit there until they say you can get out. So people, they were stinking. And in the early 1900s, this wasn't a time where people were brushing their teeth regularly. And it was like an issue that like, people were coming into the war with really, really bad teeth. And it wasn't until I think there's a British general that had a really bad um, tooth infection that he started to prioritize oral hygiene for British soldiers during World War I. So again, there's a lot going on. And because there's a poor lack of hygiene, people aren't showering. They, again, are up to their knees in water and also waste. People are getting this horrible, horrible thing called trench foot or trench boot, whatever you want to call it, wherein if you are standing in water for an extended period of time, some shit's going to go awry with your foot because our feet need to be clean and dry because that is how infections arise. And they probably already had wounds. So it's like you have a wound on your foot. And even if you don't have a wound, you're standing in dirty water for days, weeks, you're going to get an infection. And at that point, people had to get their toes and feet and sometimes legs amputated. And trench foot caused like 75,000 casualties during World War One. When I say casualties, I don't just mean deaths. Like I just mean people that weren't affected by that. And it was just a hot, stinking, nasty mess. Right. All of that to just gain a meter. A meter. Because it was so small. It was so small. And it was just like life in the trench. Like to say it was bad, <laughs> again, is a real understatement. And also a crazy thing that happened is that not only was all this shit happening, people were accidentally getting infected with anthrax. And I feel like a lot of people don't know, because I didn't even know this until a couple weeks ago, but I think people thought anthrax was like this man-made thing or like some kind of like chemical or something that scientists made up in a lab. But anthrax is naturally occurring. It naturally occurs in soil. And the way people were getting infected by anthrax during World War I is that um, these militaries, the U.S. military in particular, were making these shaving kits because, again, the head lice was so bad from being in the trenches that all the soldiers needed to be completely shaved, like from the head to the beard. And so they gave them these shaving kits called khaki kits. And in the shaving kits were these shaving brushes. And so in the past, they were making the brushes out of this badger hair, but the badger hair was like higher quality and more expensive to make. And it took a longer time because it had to be disinfected. So they started getting this, um, this horse hair and they weren't disinfecting it. And so how the anthrax comes about is that it's already in the soil and a cow or a horse or something is eating grass from this soil. And then once they start eating that grass, the anthrax from the soil becomes activated in their bodies. And then it's like inside of their bodies and of course in their fur. And so then once that fur is cut for the use of the brushes, if it's not properly disinfected, there is still active live anthrax in the brushes. So people are just like, God, this war is awful. I have lice. Let me just shave my head and my beard so I can feel a little clean. Next thing you know, you are getting these awful chemical burns from anthrax. They were, like, they were fighting demons out there. That's why when I say, if you say you're in the trenches, I'm just like, are you getting anthrax? Do you have dysentery? Do you have diarrhea? Are you actively vomiting? Do you have clean water? Like when you say you're in the trenches, I think, oh, wow, that's got to be the worst of the worst. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything compares, but I, will I still the trenches are the bad, phrase? but have you been in the situation ship? 
Have you been ghosted before? Yeah, those, those, I don't, I don't know. It's the rotting flesh that, that would kill me. Seeing dead bodies next to me. And have you ever played, I know you played a little bit of Modern Warfare too, didn't you? I'm but not a gamer Battlefront, girl like you. Listen, this girl is Battlefront a gamer. Battlefront has, you know, they have like a special series where you can, you play war stories. Mm-hmm. It was fucking horrible. And I just, even the gas, not like human gas, but being <laughs> gassed too. all the time. Yeah, and again, chemical it, warfare. Like, yes. The fucking chlorine gas. If I can see green shit coming my way. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. And it. Also, the fact that they would literally, if you fell asleep on duty, your penalty is being killed, shot by a firing squad. And I'm just like, damn. Like At that point, though, I already want to die. Right, because I'm like, if, hey, if what it's, am I if it's anthrax, trench foot, again, and yeah, like she was like she was saying, like the rotting flesh, like people were just there. And sometimes, you know, you don't have the time to get all these bodies and take them elsewhere. They're just there until people come and get them. And obviously it's like your your fellow soldiers, they're your friends. And people were just dis- disillusioned. It's like all these royal powers are having all this beef. And now me, a regular ass dude from the middle of nowhere, America, Britain, Germany, whatever, I got to be in the fucking war. And for what? Dealing and with overflowing toilets, over- and like, digging the toilets. And the psychological trauma of being in a trench. And that's where the term shell shock also comes from. Like, obviously, in the trench is one thing. But, like, shell shock was basically just a form of PTSD before PTSD was, like, fully a thing of just, like, people being so traumatized and horrified of what they were seeing during that war that it's like if shit went down, they were just standing there literally shell shocked. Because it's like, I can't even move. Shit was getting real. In those trenches. And I can't believe you're playing it in a video game. Can you imagine talking to some guy at video game being like, yeah, your trauma, I played it. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what I'm saying. It was like, it was just, it kind of gave me, because also, you know, I'm such a chicken shit when it comes to video games. I really do feel as though, you know, like if there's spiders in Skyrim coming at me, I'm fucking scared as shit. And I will like, you know, kind of jump. And it was one of those. Video game wise, we are completely different. I'm playing Cooking Mama. <laughs> I'm playing Kirby Games, Mario Party. Yeah, but you don't like any RPG, but regardless. I don't like RPGs because I feel like they make me dizzy. I'm just like, I, I'm this man running in a game. I'm confused. I don't know where I'm going. What's your favorite video game? You, Favorites. You know my favorite video They game. don't. This is a podcast. Oh. I don't know that they're going to be gamers either. You and don't I don't know. really identify as a gamer anymore. There are thousands either. of people who listen. I've checked. I would honestly say... Skyrim is my number one game of all time. And then really any Assassin's Creed game. Oh, my God. And I love Dragon Age Origins. I just fucking love dragons, really. Okay. Um, dragons and tear gas. No tear gas. Okay. Um, I did hear, though, that they respected breakfast hour. And you know what? If we, we have to have something. It's like you can bomb, you can shoot, but let me have a fucking yeah. English muffin. Literally, English muffins, some bacon. Um, they did drink rum. I would just try to get as fucked up as possible. If that was, I would be glued to the bottle. Yes. No wonder people do that. Was that when they were doing the opium? That, that was Vietnam War mainly. Yeah. I'd have to be doing something. <laughs> I know. I genuinely don't think I would be able to last. I didn't even think. Like, if there was a draft no tomorrow, way. I mean, I wouldn't even be eligible to be draft. I have 
a host of medical problems. Because you're telling me that I the whole visual of me going through all of that and then seeing that it was all just to gain an inch, that's going to fuck me up completely mentally. And then if I was chosen to be a runner, the people that had to literally send messages via foot bobbing and weaving through bombs. Yeah. That seems like it might that. be the worst one of the worst jobs to have. It's like you're bobbing and weaving through bombs and guns to give a telegram. Dealing with rats. And that's I'm out a, of there. That's an important part. Yeah, the rat bites. Another thing, people are getting bitten by rats. You get disease from rats. And it's like, imagine trying to sleep and these rats are biting you already going through so much. But when you're talking about like the disillusionment of people understanding like, wow, we did all this for so little, I think that's like a, will cause like a lot of soldiers to come back from World War One very mad because there's so many factors of that. One of them was like a lot of black soldiers experienced racism during World War One because again, it is the early 1900s and this was- And dec- again, your president is Woodrow Wilson. The president of the United States at this time is Woodrow, birth of a nation, motherfucking Wilson. And birth of a nation, I feel like we have to explain what that is a bit. I'll let you take <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, okay. Well, birth of a nation is a movie, and it's basically rewriting how the Civil War would take place once won by the North. And it makes it so that after the North wins the war, the Congress basically gets filled by black people roar how scary and the Ku Klux Klan people have to save all of these poor innocent white women from being acquired by scary black men and this was Woodrow Wilson's favorite movie because believe it or not he idolized Robert E. Lee he was known to hate black people he was very much pro-segregation at a time when it really wasn't that normal well I mean I guess it was still normal but he was more of a traditional racist if you will Right. And he also wasn't too great about the Native Americans either. He was like pretty bad in every single aspect in terms of race relations. So imagine you're a black soldier. You're going for a war. You ain't got no business being in. Your president, your commander in chief is Woodrow Wilson. And so a lot of black soldiers came back after the horrors of World War One and are just like, I'm coming back to this country. I don't even have rights. And the same thing happened, again, in subsequent wars like World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, where it's just like, I'm fighting for a country that doesn't even want me to be here and think I have rights. And along with Black people, a similar thing happened with gay people. There were, you know, obviously gay soldiers during World War One, and they had that similar experience of coming back after the war and being like, we don't have rights in the countries we live in. This is apparently like pretty big in Germany, like the post-World War I gay rights movement of people fighting to get rights and have some kind of representation in the government and just to be recognized as people after fighting this bullshit ass war. And again, it was just rough. And I was reading a letter that one unnamed soldier wrote to his boyfriend during the war, and it was just so cute. I'm not cute, it was fucking sad. But he says in the letter, I crave a decent mouthful of fresh water, of which there isn't any here. There is absolutely nothing to read. Please do send newspapers, but above all, write very soon. And this man did not survive the war. This is just depressing. This is I'm a depressing not getting episode. any fucking joy here. There's no joy here. But yeah, so after that, 
So the black people, we are fighting for our rights because this is happening. The gay people, they, when I say that they hustled me to we, come on, intersectionality, we are fighting for our rights out there too. All these gay men that came back from the war are fighting for their rights to be seen and recognized. And then last depressing thing I want to say, at least for now, is that <laughs> Of course, because the war was so terrible and there's these weapons of mass destruction, people were getting blown up, but they weren't dying. They were living. So imagine you're in the trenches. There's shooting going on. You're trying to pop up out the trench and see what you can do. Get some motion in there. Boom! Hit in the face. But you don't die. You live. And okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is the early 1900s. There oh, is God. no modern plastic surgery. So they were coming back from the war with completely disfigured faces. People were horrified. Kids would cry at the sight of these people. And it was just bad news all around. And so there's this woman named um, Amy Coleman Ladd who made these prosthetics for soldiers after the war to kind of, you know, help what was going on. And a lot of these pictures of the prosthetics are kind of scary because, again, it's the 1900s. This is not, you know, Dr. Miami giving these people facial reconstruction surgery. They're doing the best they can with what they got. And there's also this doctor, Dr. Gillies, who basically revolutionized modern plastic surgery by, like, trying to reconstruct these people's faces the best that you can over 100 years ago by giving them the surgery, but um, I say all that all to say. We will never one... use the word, the phrase trench warfare again. Like, right. June, you've... <laughs> There's still going to be somebody in my you've comments being like, trench me. warfare is bad. Have you ever worked at Target during Black Friday? <laughs> hey. I haven't, but I'm sure it's rough. It definitely. I haven't, I've never worked at Black Friday, actually. Even Okay, what job felt like the trenches for you? My job now. <laughs> okay, well, fair. Um, but in a good way. I love my job. <laughs> yes, she loves her job. My last job also felt like a trench. Um, I will say because I don't work there anymore, but I worked at Google and I recently left my job. And it's like, I felt like I was fighting demons and the demons were literally just like emails and sales quotas. But that job to me was rough. And both of us used to work at Nordstrom. That also felt like a trench at times during the anniversary sale. Okay, yeah. But that, I wasn't, I feel like it wasn't bad in the spa. I don't know. Because some Nordstroms have a spa. I still say Nordstrom, but it's technically Nordstrom. But they have a spa, and that's where we both worked. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, to, to work in retail, that can feel like a trench. To work in food, I've never worked at a restaurant ever. It is crazy to me, though, that they... We're supposed to consume 4,600 calories a day. That sounds like a lot. And I'm just like, how? Because the food was awful. A lot of times- Mutton. The food was Potatoes. spoiled. And it's like they have all this canned food, the Chef Boyardee. Yes, this was this era of Chef Boyardee, not the actual company. But everybody was doing canned food. And I do think it's funny because obviously it's not funny, Fontu. But there was, <laughs> there was, you know, the French would can like Coco Vaughan, beef bourguignon, and then the Italians would can spaghetti. And obviously the states were just piling on fucking potatoes and mutton. Which I'm just like, damn, it's like these French people getting their fancy ass food were getting fucking beans and potatoes. Yeah, that would but make But 4,600 calories. Trench warfare, it's the new Ozempic. Trench warfare is the new Ozempic. It's like if you don't die or get your face blown off, you're going to come out pretty, you know, pretty trim. 
Okay, so because I don't know about you, but I think you have my stance. I am a conscientious objector of war, so I don't want to invite any of these people to my dinner party. I don't. Um. <sighs> we, I'm not. We're not inviting Woodrow Wilson. That much we know. No. No. Well, maybe I would just so I could, you know, throw tomatoes at him or something. I would throw tomatoes, if not worse. Heavy boulders. Uh, yeah, who would I invite? Maybe. I would actually like to invite the young. Um, I know that they have been branded terrorists and I don't condone their murder of the Archduke. But I would like to to bring them in just to, you know, see like, well, you were really impressionable. You were young. Almost like it seems like that Gypsy Rose girl. Oh, my I God. Feel like it's Are a you simil- comparing? I, listen, I feel... As though they were really impressionable. You think they and had Munchausen the by black proxy? hand was really strong in persuading them to, you know, that this was going to be good for the Serbian people. And the Serbians at that time had been tossed around. You feel isolated. Again, not condoning, but. And he did say he was apologetic for killing the wife. He didn't mean to do that. If that gives, why do I sound like I'm his defense counsel? I, I don't know. I'm not. It sounded a real lawyer-like right now. And then I would also probably bring the head of the black hand because I'm curious as to his secret society. Anybody who runs a secret society, I find that intriguing. I don't think we would genuinely want anyone at our table, though. Woodrow Wilson, terrible. Although I will say I'm glad for the work he did with anti-monopoly legislation Everything else I'm not about. I mean, yeah, that's the thing about history. I think Woodrow Wilson was an evil person, and I hope he's twisting and turning in the depths of hell right now, even though I don't believe in hell. But that's the thing. you got to look at history through, you know, a clear lens. Not not everybody's good. Not everybody's bad. There's always a moral in between. And you're going to invite the black hand deer dinner party. I'm going to invite the black people. I'm going to bring <laughs> some black soldiers. I'm going to bring those gay soldiers. If they're gay black soldiers, even better because we're going to have a ham of a time. But if you are coming from the trenches, you must take a couple showers. Yeah, everybody who comes from the trenches is invited. Y'all was thinking. And also, okay, so I'm going to invite them. But also, I want to ask you a question for your favorite segment. Oh, the fuck, Mary kill? The fuck, Mary kill. So because we talked so vaguely about specific people aside from, like, the the people who killed Archduke and the Archduke himself, I'm going to talk about some of the, the world military leaders and world leaders that were around during this time. So I'm going to start with Georges Clemenceau, the prime minister of France during World War One, and Tsar, um, Tsar Alexander. How's Alexander? Nicholas. Tsar Nicholas from Russia. And then I'm going to talk about Woodrow Wilson. That's going to be the fuck, Mary kill. So I, I'll give you a little background. So Clemenceau was prime minister, yada, yada, yada. But one thing about him that stood out about me is that he was with this American actress because after Napoleon III was doing his thing, he fled to the States, and that's where he met this American actress. And they start dating. They get married. They move back to France. And they lived their life together. And obviously, like most men during this time, he was cheating on his wife. He had all these dalliances. And his wife was just like, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing too. She had her own little affair. And once he discovered this- Okay, but you have to add that she had her affair with the 
the okay. Her, she her was kid's having an affair tutor with the person that was tutoring her kids. Fucking not a good someone look. that is around your kids is crazy to me. And I'm just like, unless okay. it's the parent, it was bad. It was. I didn't say she should have done it, but she did. <laughs> right. And he did a lot worse. So uh, definitely, once he found that out, he jailed her. He had her deported from France, took away her citizenship, and completely exiled her, basically. Like, not just, oh, we're getting a divorce. Like, I'm going to ruin your life. You're going to jail. You're not You're not going to see your kids again. You're out of here. And then we have Tsar Nicholas, who loved his wife, the Tsar The way Alexander. you changed your tone, I, I you're just, clearly biased. I am a little biased because I'm like, again, history is not black and white. But Tsar Nicholas, he loved his wife. Sarina Alexandra so much. He loved all his daughters, Tatiana, Olga, Maria, Anastasia, their little son Alexei. He was he was just so caring to his wife. And then we have Woodrow Wilson's OS. I'm gonna kill, I give you an easy kill Woodrow so Wilson bad. because I remember being a little girl and learning about his 14 points and how he created the League of Nations and was all about world peace running home to my dad saying I thought he was so cool and then him really, you know, giving me a strong reality check. Um, so he's going to die. I, I'm i torn because they say that Clemenceau was kind of like the tiger because he was so rawr. Very, <laughs> he had a lot of passion when he would debate, but I really don't like how he did his woman. So I guess I'm just going to have one passionate, affair with him and then I will marry Tsar Nicholas even though I find him to be disappointing because he seemed so like he was aimless Tsar Nicholas was aimless that's why not everybody needs to rule a land and be a king because just because you were born the first son or the first eligible son doesn't mean you need to lead a country he didn't need to do it right and he was very entitled because he kind of was, yeah. He really thought that he had this divine right to rule, which I get. You're told that that's your divine right, but he did try to. He was really bad at censorship. He did order his military to kill a lot of people when they were trying to protest. And luckily, you know, his military turned again. Well, is that luckily though? I, he got clapped very he soon got, after. <laughs> right. I think they uh, did Tsar Nicholas real, real bad. The whole family. We'll talk about the whole Romanov. But also, family you get to marry episode. a saint. I didn't know that he was technically a saint in Russian Orthodox religion. He's yes, a saint because they they have this movie called Matilda because before he got married, he had this really deep, intense, everything that I care about seems to be about an affair. But he had an affair. Well, you like all the depressing fucking trench warfare. Um, He had an affair with her. She was a prima ballerina from Poland. This one Russian director made a film about it, and it shows sex scenes between the czar and her. And people were saying that they, they were threatening to bomb the the director's car they were saying that they were going to terrorize the movie premiere because it was so sacrilegious to have a saint having sex in a film and so naturally i'm trying to find this movie as soon as possible for viewing um with that note oh we're gonna close out this episode i'm sorry this episode was so depressing but yeah blame fatu since I, listen since i made that tiktok video again if you don't follow me on tiktok my name is fatu chains on tiktok f a two 
Chains with the Z. Once I made that video, it has like a million views. People were asking me, oh, can you guys make a podcast about the trenches? And I'm like, ask and you shall receive. Because this was fucking sad. Yeah, this is really a subject best reserved for Ken Burns. Highly recommend We're his not PBS Ken. special. We're Barbies. Barbies that are smart. Barbies can be smart. Okay, don't pull a Joe Coy. Is that his name? Oh my gosh, Joe, yes, Joe Coy. But I'm just like, okay, we, we saw the Barbie movie. I want to be the Easter egg Barbie, the president. Yes, we can do it all. We I can do it all. I still need to see the Barbie movie. I don't think you do. It wasn't that good. People really seem to, it also seems like it's a moment in culture that you need to see. And I feel like that moment was like watching it in theaters. I, oh, so I missed it. And listen, I watched it in theaters, and it was great to be sitting with a bunch of women enjoying the movie. But literally, me and the black woman that were sitting next to each other were both like on our phones, and she fell asleep during. So you Ryan were bored Gosling during scenes. the movie. Well, yeah, because I'm not gonna lie, I love all the Barbie fun, pretty aesthetic stuff, and obviously all the Issa Rae and all my favorite actresses. But I didn't like all the Ken stuff. That kind of anytime Ken was on during the movie, I was on my phone. I'm on IMDb. I'm on Wikipedia. I'm playing. Temple Run. I, I just didn't oh, care. Oh, I haven't played Temple Run in forever. It's been a minute. But okay, so follow us on social media. I will be making a Dinner Party History podcast Instagram sometime this week and probably a TikTok. But until then, you can follow us independently on social media. I am Fatu Chains, F-A, the number two, and then Chains with a Z on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, MySpace, Google's every social media. I'm far two chains. And what about you, Miss Maz? Mazeltov, and I'm not going to spell it because it's linked in the thing. And also, I'm never really on. But M E A Z A L T O V. Thank you. Did you spell it right? I hope so. I don't think you did. Either way, it's going to be in. Next episode the is going to be about what? You tell I me. I thought we talked about this, and I can't remember anymore. I'm brain Historical dead. Historical friendships. Oh, that's right. We're going to walk you through a little bit of our friendship and how we met and historical friendships. Okay. But thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.